What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I just want to say that in 2009, on July 21st, I got to work that day and a story broke about a pop star. At the time, we thought that, sorry, that it would be funny to make fun of her. We realized 12 years later that was incredibly insensitive. I'm Belle Benson. Welcome to another episode of Too Tired to Be Crazy on every Thursday with me. Today, my amazing guest is Heather McDonald. She's a comedian, New York Times bestselling author, having already starred in her own Netflix special. As you guys know, she has a widely successful podcast, Juicy Scoop, with Heather McDonald. It's ranked among the top 20 in the comedy charts weekly. And you can also catch her keeping up with pop culture and making hilarious skits of the Real Housewives on her Instagram. I love following her, so you guys should follow her too. And if you weren't exhausted to just listening to everything she's done, she's also a mother and a wife of 20 plus years. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. I actually went on Heather's podcast, I think 2019, the middle of 2019. So you guys yeah. can check out that episode. It was fun. It was when I think I reached out to you and you came on and we had fun. Now I have a new office. So when you come back, we'll do it in person, maybe there. Okay. I can't wait. Yeah. I want to come on your podcast again too. So on your podcast, you keep up with pop culture and all those things. So first, obviously, since my podcast is more about dating relationships, which is what we're going to get into and like women empowerment, and you're going to tell me how it is to be such a empowering boss ass bitch constantly reinventing yourself and being really hilarious so you didn't have the easiest time getting your footing in the entertainment business at first you kind of had to do the groundwork to start your comedic career and you took evening classes at the learning annex and groundlings theater which i went there before too to help with anxiety and stuff anyway it's here in la so what was that experience like well, it, I love improv and doing characters, and that's what The Groundlings is. It's sketch comedy. So you do it in a group. It's different than stand-up. It's like Saturday Night Live. A lot of people go from there from Saturday Night Live. So I absolutely loved it, you know, and it was after college. So it was just such a – so much fun. I love doing my own thing, doing stand-up and the podcast. It's great to do your own thing because you don't have to depend on anybody, but it's so fun being in a collaborative sense, especially when it comes to comedy and just being with other really funny, creative people that you genuinely like. You know, even though I was from here, my parents weren't in the business. It was very hard to get an agent. You know, there's Hollywood privilege and it doesn't matter what color you are. There's nepotism. There's people that I've worked with that, you know, oh, you ready to act now? Okay, come with me to William Morris and I'll introduce you to my agent. I mean, it took me 10 years to get an agent. No, you're not 10, but like seven. It took me a long time to get to William Morris. But I'm saying like, that was such a challenge to even have someone come see your show. So when people get opportunities like that, that they deserve, that's fine. 
Because then once they get in that place, they don't keep getting jobs if they're not talented. But I think there's privilege in every industry, you know, and it was really hard. And one of the worst stories was I invited these eight agents to come see me perform. I'd already had like two meetings with them. And it was just so important to have an agent back then, which now it is not. This guy went on before me and he was a friend of mine and he did great. So I have to put $64 on my credit card to have these people come. And they all just talked throughout my set to him and signed him and passed on me. That's a lot of putting yourself out there, putting money out there, being rejected. You know, people had to see you in person, do live. Like now it's so easy. Someone can just post their videos or get a response right away or make money on it. Like, I love that people don't have to go through what we went through. I think it's great. Nobody has to go through what I went through. Right. No, I 100% agree. We can get big on YouTube. I think for the longest time, people were asking me if I'm going to do stand up. And first I was kind of scared because I was like, well, why do I need to do stand up? I can just write something and then post it on YouTube or whatever. And that's because I can avoid the fear of people not laughing or, you know, that fear of stage fright and all that. So I do agree with you. It's completely different what you, like actual real comedians had to go through. And plus also as a woman with the jokes, the men love to make that women are not as funny as men. But like it yeah. was a harder for you as a woman to try to make it as a comedian? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you get that feeling around the guys that don't find you funny, whether it was like walking in and doing morning radio and they all had their chips on the shoulder because you were doing headlining a club that that local radio guy could never get. So they'd be like kind of assholes. And um, I just remember going to do some morning radio, which was really important like 10 years ago before you come to a city. And someone said, okay, are you sure you want to do this guy's radio show? Because Whitney Cummings and Natasha Legere won't do it anymore because he's such a gross pig. And I'm like, well, is he really popular? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I got to sell the tickets. Like I flew all the way to Chicago. Like I, I can put up with an asshole and I can placate him and I can be nice and, and then I'll be funny enough and hopefully I'll sell some tickets. So I, yeah, I just put up with it. I just put up with feeling that way. But, you know, with stand up and, and you, it's like, do not do it unless you are dying to do it and you know you are funny. And when you get on stage, you love it more than anything. I still have anxiety before I do it. But once I get up there, it's like the funnest time I've ever had in my life. When I was just doing 10 minute sets, it was the funnest 10 minutes I could have. Like it is to me, it's just really fun. And I love it. But I didn't I didn't miss it during the pandemic. Okay. Some people really miss it. Some people, it's like their drug. But for me, I, I got enough joy out of doing my stuff on social media and the podcast. I was being really creative. I never stopped doing the podcast from day one. Even when Gavin shut it down, I still kept doing it. So it's like, for me, it never stopped. But now I, I have a different attitude going back of like, I just want to have fun. I want to be more in the moment. I'm not going to be as hard as on myself. And the sets have been more like, more fun. I'm enjoying it. The actual art of stand-up more than I ever have. Did you ever have any moments where you accidentally delivered the joke, not the right way or? Oh yeah. Everybody does that. Like you, you screw it up or you forget a bit. It happens. And it's, it sucks, especially if you're really trying to keep like a perfect set, you know, like I said, like you, there's been times where it's been pretty really like memorized. It's an hour, but I'm about to tape a special and it's like, I know exactly what I'm saying for an hour and 10 minutes. So those times I don't screw it up. But there's other times where maybe I, I get into a joke that I haven't said in a long time and I 
realize I like kind of missed the format or I forgot one little aspect of it. But sure, not often, but yeah, it happens. Before your big break, was there any time that you really felt like you wanted to give up, whether somebody told you you're not going to make it or you like mess up your set? Like, did you have that one moment that you were like, maybe this is not for me? Well, I, I've definitely had times where people have been like, how long are you going to give this? And I'm like, well, I'm not going to put a time limit on it. I'm just having fun auditioning, doing stuff. I did actually stop doing stand up for a seven year period. And I didn't mean for it to be seven years. I just wasn't in a place where I was ever making money at it. So every time I tried to get a spot in LA, it was a big challenge. I had to bring people, I had to call people. And at the time I was newly married and I had other things going on in the industry, like pilots and things. And I just was like, oh, fuck it. And then all these years passed. And then I was starting to watch Last Comic Standing and I was like, God, I miss it. I think I'd like to do stand-up again. And then out of the blue, like the next day, Lisa Sunstead called me and she runs this school called Pretty Funny Women, which is really a stand-up comedy school for women in LA. And she goes, I was just thinking about you. I can't believe you quit stand-up. You were one of my best girls. And I go, oh, I don't think I quit it. She's like, well, I think it's been like seven years, Heather. And I'm like, has? And I go, well, I just, I want to get back into it. And she's like, do you want to do my... July show. And that was like three weeks away. And I go, no, let me just do your August show. And then I had like a deadline. And then I wrote an entire new act because the last time I had done stand up, I was like single and childless. And so I kind of started writing new material from my new life and perspective. But once I got going again, then it was just, then you build on that again and you keep going. You know, I'm so glad that you called that day and then I got back into it. Yeah. Would you say your big break was when you got on the um, Chelsea Lately show? Yeah, definitely. I didn't know that it would be. I thought, this is great. I want to get back into like a regular job again. And I knew Chelsea and I thought I that'll be really easy to write for her. I know her point of view. And this is like up my alley with the pop culture and E. I just thought, okay, it's a 13-week commitment. This is some little E show that probably go away after two and a half months. But at least then I have something new to do. So yes, having it go for seven and a half years was just awesome. And of course, put me in a position to write books and become a headliner and everything else. So it was like the perfect platform because I was writing on the show, but then I got to appear on the show and there was really no show like it. It was like a hybrid of Saturday Night Live meets The Tonight Show. And even like the way we would write the jokes and everything was very collaborative, which is really quite different from other shows. So it was just a really fun period of time and it, for everybody involved. It was really cool. And and that show today, you know, E scraped everything from YouTube because they were so mad that Chelsea had quit the show and was leaving E. But as far as cancer culture and stuff goes, I'm glad those videos are difficult to find. Someone will probably find them now and try to ruin my life. But just know that like, I didn't do them alone. You know, I was getting paid and everybody said yes to it. That's why sometimes when people get in trouble for like a joke, like when Juliana Ranzik got in trouble for the joke on Fashion Police about Zendaya, do you know that story? No. So there was a show called Fashion Police and Juliana Ranzik was the host and Zendaya was on the, on the red carpet and she had these beautiful braids, but I guess they were more dreadlocks, but they looked like braids to me you know, they have to talk about their outfits and stuff and their hair and makeup. And the joke that was written for was her hair looks like it would smell like patchouli and weed. Someone approved the joke. 
Someone approved it when they handed it to her. She then said it. Someone approved it in the editing bay. Someone approved it on the final. And then it went on the air. And who gets their life torn apart but Juliana? You know, then people realize why that was a problematic thing to say. And she was really hurt by it. She was only 18 and, and, you know, a woman of color. And we all get it now. But at the time, obviously, nobody even questioned it. But it was all those people. But the one person that says it then has to take the fall for it. Was there things on our show that's definitely like not politically correct today, but we did it in 2009? Absolutely. But, you know, he approved it. Everyone approved it. So like if I was going to go down, I'd be like, uh, where's this executive? Is she is that person down the head of Comcast? Because then they should be going down, too. You're making me laugh because you keep bringing that up in my head. I'm like, you're literally like, I dare anyone to find anything because you can't cancel me. I dare anyone. It's like you're just selling the universe like tomorrow. They're like, well, here it is. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. No, I know, I know what's out there, but I'm saying there's no secret thing. Right. Like, there's no secret thing. I didn't do a coke back cocaine deal. I'm not doing a porn. No, that stuff wouldn't even matter. You could be doing a trade on video as long as you don't say something politically incorrect while you're getting plowed and you could still, like, keep your job. Then that's just female empowerment and sex positivity, right? But, like, if it's anything else, you're done. Then I'll do my apology video, which I've gone into what, how you do apology videos. You got to have just a little bit of makeup. Right. Definitely you don't want to do too much bronzer and, or, and no fake lashes, but you want to put a little makeup on. Don't overly line the lips. I don't look that glam today. So this hair would be good for an apology video. You can do one right after this podcast, just in case to prepare yourself. Oh, why don't I, why don't I just do it right now? Go ahead. Hi. I just want to say that in 2009, on July 21st, I drove to work as a working mother trying to support a family of five. I got to work that day and a story broke about a pop star. At the time, we thought that, sorry, that it would be funny to make fun of her. We realized 12 years later that was incredibly insensitive. And because of that, I'm going to put up a number for pop teens that are stars that are not no longer doing great that they can call. And if that video from 2000 
and seven triggered you when you saw it as a child and you remembered it after listening to Violet's podcast and you tried to ruin my life, good for you. And when does your school reopen? Okay. Good job. So good. Thank you. Yeah, I've noticed with the apology videos, you got to also know exactly like the timing to cry. You can't cry too much because people will think it's fake, but you have to cry at least once. Well, I mean, it's crazy if you just even watch like some shows on Bravo or E! over the weekend when they replay like the old movies or even movies at a dry bar that are like from the mid 2000s. There's they feel so out of touch and corny and offensive. You know, then forget about all the movies that are just all always about a girl who's about to turn 30 and she's the only one not married and she's a personality and she's great at her job. But because she's great at her job, no guy will ever love her until she either gives up her job or falls down a flight of stairs running to the job. Now, whenever I see those movies, I look and I see who wrote them and they're almost always two guys. There's not even a female consultant on it. And that's just a really interesting thing of how movies like groomed our thoughts, you know, and you, now you realize like, oh my God, it's just a movie. But sometimes you'd be watching movies like Woody Allen's this big filmmaker. And in the late seventies, he had a movie come out called Manhattan. He played himself. He played a guy like himself and he's 43 years old. And the 17 year old girl is his girlfriend. And she just cannot get enough of him. She wants to have sex with him all the time. And he's like, please, please just go off to college, meet someone of your own age. Like I can't. And she's like, why? I love you. So. And it's like, he wrote it though. He wrote the movie. Like he wrote the movie. This is his thing. It's sick. And as I was watching it when I was young, I was like, oh my God, why? What 17 year old would ever want to fuck this like skinny, ugly guy? And then part of me was like, well, maybe I'm not mature or bright enough to see why he's attractive. It's just amazing now that they're exploring all of his movies that that was a the theme always. Well, A, don't even get me started about my thoughts on grooming in Hollywood. I really feel like that's a real thing. And it like we get desensitized to everything we watch. But I think since we're young, we end up watching as children. You watch a lot of these things that end up like sexualizing kids in a weird way or grooming us to thinking a lot of these things are okay because we're watching in movies. And then it's written by maybe some creepy old men. And then we're watching it because even you, your brain was like, well, maybe I'm not mature enough. If I was more mature, then I would like this. I would find this attractive. It's weird. I remember like even with my kids, you know, they'd be watching like the Nickelodeon, like the bad acting, like Nickelodeon Disney shows, like those bad sitcoms. And these kids would have like hair extensions, lashes, and they're like 12. And then the whole storyline is about how her boyfriend cheated on her. And I'm like, cheated? <laughs> like you're 12. That is so not. And my kids didn't have like boyfriends and girlfriends at 12. That's not a thing that you're in a full-blown relationship at 12. Right. But it, it, they put it out there. They make you start to think like, oh, that's a normal thing to be happening. Right. And all these movies also, like if it's a 40 year old man, he's a bachelor, he's sexy, he's hot. If the woman's 40, she's a grandma. She's staying at home. She's like, that's it. She's a grandma. And there's no way you're thinking of her getting naked and having a sex life because that's like she's 40. Usually even in the movies when the women are freaking out and you think maybe like about to get married or whatever, they always do the successful businesswoman and she's freaking out about finding a husband. Then you're like, oh, she must be like 30 because she's like the CEO or whatever. And they're like, she's 22. <laughs> like, what? 
<laughs> I don't know. She's like, maybe I'll freeze my eggs. Uh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like 22. Right, exactly. But I feel like that there is a nice shift in that because now that has been exposed and people are aware of it and they're opening their eyes wider and there is, you know, new filmmakers and creators that are being able to put out their stuff. So that isn't the only dumb thing that we have to watch anymore, you know? So I think that's great. And I also love the fact that now there are all these outlets that you can put yourself out there if you're not able to get an agent or a manager or if you do have stage fright or if you're not that funny, then you can do something else. Like I think I think there's all these other outlets like I just even, for example, when I started Daddy Issues, which was like seven, eight years ago, and I did get with an agent and a management really quickly. And I was really lucky for that. But I do recall this one guy wanted to manage me, but he was full on like just like texting me at like 1am all the time. And one time I was like, Hey, you know, it's you're starting to make me feel uncomfortable because I can't tell if you're trying to manage me or if you're trying to do something else. And I'm very forward because I'm foreign. And we just say so what happened? What did he say? He said, Violet, if you want to make it in this business, this is what people do. So you need to get over it or you're never going to be successful. And I was like, then I guess I'll never be successful. <laughs> CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I had a manager the same thing, okay? I did a stand-up set at the comedy store. I was on this tiny little show on E! And this guy saw me at Starbucks. And he goes, weren't you on E! last night? And I go, oh, yeah, I was on. And he's like, oh, I want to see your stamp. And I go, okay. So I give him my number, and he brings this other guy. And he goes, I'm going to bring my friend who's a manager for comedians. And I'm like, oh, my God. So the two of them show up, and the guy gives me his card and he goes, yeah, I want to manage you. Call me tomorrow. We go across the street to house of blues. We are partying. Like I won the Oscar. Okay. Like we, my, my sister, my best friend are there. I'm like, finally, it's ready. It's going to freaking happen. You know? And then I call him the next day and he's like, yeah, come, you know, meet me at my apartment. I work out of my apartment, go to the apartment. He's only like a few years older than I am, but he's like, gross and like balding with a baseball cap. And even then I knew he was a bullshitter, but like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stop this fantasy from happening for me. Like I wanted to believe it was real. So we chat and everything and he like, you know, makes some calls on my behalf. And then he starts calling me all the time to talk about anything. And he goes, do you want to go see a movie tomorrow or something? And I'm like, just like a, just like a movie, like for fun, or is this like a meeting? And he goes, yeah, Heather, this is what a manager and talent does. We hang out. This is what we do. No, we don't. No, they don't. Okay, so do you want it? This story is going to get better. 
So then he gets me at this, this club in West LA called Igby's. It's no longer there. And I get to audition for the guy. And just to, this was a big deal to even just like know who to call. I audition for the guy and the guy goes, oh, you're great. Okay, I'll put you on the rotation. You can actually get gigs and you make $8 a, a time that you perform. So I was very excited about that. So just to be have the stage time and I owed it all to him. So I remember I called him and I'm like, I can't believe it. I got passed at Igby's. I can work here now. And he's like, yeah, um, I'm surprised you even got through because my phone's about to be turned off. I need $180. What? So I'm like, I got to give him this $180 because all these people that he's called on my behalf, once they call back, if his phone's dead, how's the Tonight Show going to find me? Like, I just was like, okay. So I met him and I gave him, I think he asked for like 170 and then I gave him 180 because, you know, it comes in 20s and gave him the $180, you know, then eventually just like severed ties, blew him off. Never, obviously I never got my money back. And then out of the blue, we have one exchange and he's like, I know I still owe you that $130. I'm like, it's 180, but whatever. I never got it. Then he reaches out to me on Facebook as like an alcoholic amends. He was like, I'm, I've seen you on Chelsea lately. You're doing so great. I'm so happy for you, whatever. And I just want to, I just go, yeah. And you can just forget about that $180. <laughs> wow. So, oh. okay. That just completely went like south. Like- so that was the story. Those are the stories, but it's true. And that's what's so sad about like any kind of sexual harassment or whatever in the workplace is be- as a female, because you think, that someone finds you talented or great or they you got promoted or and so you're feeling so great about yourself. And then when they hit on you, you're like, oh, you stupid girl, you aren't that talented. They only wanted that. And that's what's like so crushing when you're when someone's a victim of that. Yeah, that's true. I remember uh, my first internship and I remember this one attorney made it seem like he was so interested in me and I was so excited. And I came to the law firm to interview. And so first I had to take an exam and I took an exam and then I was ready for my interview. And I'm trying to do my interview. I'm like so excited. And then the guy stops me in the middle and he's like, okay, can I, I'm just going to stop you right there. Um, look, um, your test, you did okay, but I don't want to waste your time. I think you're really beautiful. And I do magician acts on the weekend. And I would love if you were my magician assistant. That's actually why I brought you here. <laughs> I'm not going to hire you because I already hired the guy that came in front of you. And I was like, I don't think, I was like, what? Was he part of Magic Castle? I don't know, maybe. But it was like some big what attorney. What did you say? I was just like, no, thank you. I'm good. And then when I walked out, I started crying. I was just like so upset. <laughs> Oh, I remember it's my university. The university would send you out to like places where you can intern and yeah. they send me out there. And the guy literally was like, I want you to be my magician assistant. I was like, what the fuck? Like, it was just so, so funny. funny. And he basically said, like, you're not as smart as this other guy and he has more experience. So I'm definitely not interested in you in that type of way. But you are very beautiful. And I think you can be my magician assistant. So you like put knock down my intelligence. <laughs> then- I'd like to saw you in half. You're not going to be, you're not going to see the inside of a courthouse, but you are going to see the inside of a box. Are you flexible? And then we twirl you around and I cut you in half in two pieces. Voila. Yeah. So just like experiences like that. Do you have any advice for 
anyone that's young in the industry that's dying for a shot to get their foot in the door? I mean, I just think there's just so many great ways to do that. It's kind of like maybe pick out the mediums that work for you, whether that's, you know, TikTok being funny, writing, um, behind the scenes and, you know, to try like have a couple different avenues going, whatever that might be. And just let people know that you do this. Don't keep it a secret, you know, whether it's on social media or, you know, if you want a job and someone you know is doing something and they're your friend and you're like, I would love an opportunity to work with you doing this. you got to ask for the job. Sometimes people don't know that you're even interested or that you even have these qualifications. So it's like, be the thirsty one and not just thirsty showing your ass on Instagram for some likes. Like thirsty also means like being persistent, calling. Oh, and people like want to work for me. And so they're like, I'll even get your coffee. But a lot of it has to be, you have to really be a self-starter. That's for sure. More than ever. Do you think the same hungry Heather that you were years ago when you were trying to make it big? You, do you feel like you still are that same person? Cause you're constantly like, you know, reinventing yourself and you, you keep working really hard. Um, I think the difference is that the, the younger Heather, it was like, I had to please these people. And it was just a small group of people that had to say yes, whether it was a casting director or maybe like a few people in a production line or agents deciding to take me on. Like I had to prove myself to these people that just decided yes or no. And it was this very small group of people. And it's so wrong because comedy is subjective. So it shouldn't be up to just a few people, which is what I love about today. Because now everything I do, I think about the really broad audience I have and what would bring them joy and what would make them happy. And, oh, I'm so happy they like the show. And sometimes I get someone that, oh, I love you, Heather. That wasn't my favorite interview. And I'm like, okay, you know, well, in two days, there'll be a new one. You know, like I try to do my best, but I just love the response I get from the people that come to my shows my live shows and then listen as well. And for me, that's kind of, that's just it, you know? And if other things, if people ask me to do other things, then that's just like the icing on the cake right now, because my career really has just become all about juicy scoop. Yeah. As it should. I mean, it's really successful. Thank you. So aside from being a successful independent woman, you're obviously also married and you have kids. You've been married for 20 years now. What's your secret? Oh my God. Having an affair, Um, having another boyfriend. It's not easy. And there's definitely ups and downs. And, you know, luckily we've never had anything that's, no one's ever moved out. We've never separated. We've never, no one's ever had affairs or anything. So I feel, but we've definitely had times where we're not totally connected. And we've definitely had times where there's fighting, you know, and stuff like that. um, and, And not being as nice to each other, but we've always come on the other side of it and, now, as our kids are getting older, I'm so grateful that I'm that I didn't give up or think that it was, there was better out there because it is really nice when you have someone committed to you for life, and that's what marriage is. And that's when people say, "Oh, why?" With just a piece of paper, da da da. No, it, that piece of paper does keep you. If I didn't have kids and there wasn't money and homes tied, and we were just dating for 20 years, there's no way I would still be here. Right. If you're just a boyfriend, are you kidding me? You know? So it's like the commitment of marriage, I think is really important because it really is 
to be seen as a life commitment. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you can't make it work. I've a, most of my friends are divorced and they found wonderful second husbands that sometimes make me a little jealous. But, you know, I'm also like happy with my life. And I think, and I kind of think that's what it's about. But I think it's, you know, it's difficult. Like it, it's a, it's a difficult thing. And based on how you were raised, I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, I think people who saw their parents power through and oftentimes put up with stuff, then they might put up with it themselves. I mean, providing it's not like abusive. And there were times I'd say to my, I'd go to bed and I'd be like, why don't my parents get divorced? Why don't you call a, you know, a good divorce attorney? Like you guys are awful, you know? And then years later, when everybody was gone, they were like more in love than ever. And people will be like, your parents are so cute. I'm like, well, they weren't cute in 1988, you know? They were like yelling. So it's like, I kind of keep that in mind. Like there are times in a marriage that will stress, you know, financial stress, kids stress, elderly parent stress. Like there's things like that, that it won't always be perfect. So in choosing who you're going to procreate with, because that's, that's a bigger thing than getting married. If you procreate with someone, that person really is in your life forever. If you're choosing to, you know, procreate with someone, just really think about what that person might be like when things get tough. Right. That person might be like, if you do get divorced, is he going to be pleasant or is he going to be like, make your life hell or because you should be going in going, I love this person. It's going to be forever. But what is he like if things don't go his way? So, but it's, it's hard. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Going on your love life right now. Me talking about your love life because that's how much I don't have one. <laughs> so that's my love life. Did you not be able to bone or anything during COVID? I would like to blame it on COVID, but I think I would blame it. I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes I, I just got so busy with work and it's really hard for me sometimes to get to know someone new. And then, yeah, COVID does kind of make things definitely a lot harder. But I think in the end of the day, I could sit here and con and blame COVID for being single. But if I really wanted to put myself out there, probably could with dating apps and things like that, which I want to. I'm, I've been thinking of doing it. <laughs> so... I just like, I have a girl who used to nanny for me and she's like 27 or something. And a couple of months ago, she was like, oh, my friends and I want to go to Cabo. And I'm like, wait, wait till this thing is over. I'm like, because the whole fun of going to like 
a vacation at 27 is to get drunk at a bar and like rub up against people and like have some hookups, but you can't do that. You can't do that You're still right now, own. hopefully in a couple months. But I also don't think a bar is where I'm going to meet my future husband. So I don't, I'm not like that regretful that I currently can't go to like a bar where people are sweating on me and stepping on my shoe, like, and getting really close to me and breathing on me. Like I'm not, I'm not, I don't like stay awake at night thinking about how much I miss that or regretting that. I, but I do. I, do. I stay awake at night <laughs> remembering how much I miss it. I loved it. I loved going to a bar or an evening out and getting my outfit together and getting drunk and acting like it was more crowded than it was and rubbing my tits up against the guy like and having eye contact and then having him have the nerve to come over and like talk to me and get my number. It was a great times. There is nothing better though when you get home after a night and then you're like, washed your face and you're in your pajamas and you're in your bed, but you still had like a pretty fun night out. It's a very satisfying feeling. I agree. Like you have just the right amount of buzz, but it was like, oh, wow, that was a fun night, you know, but now you're home safe and you're warm in your bed and you're like watching TV, but you did get drunk and meet some people. That is fun. I agree. I used to have like really wild nights. I remember like, thank God nothing happened to me. I don't think, but like I've had times where I randomly decide I want to go home. I don't tell anyone. I get in the Uber and I fall asleep in the Uber. And when I pass out from alcohol, it's really hard to wake me up. I remember one time, like the Uber driver had to like, he was shaking me to, for me to wake up. Cause I was so passed out in his Uber for me to get. And just like situation like that, I look back and I'm like, wow, I'm an idiot. Like I have those nights I come home and sometimes like I fall asleep in my clothes. One night I came home. I remember I, the way I fell asleep on the bed, just laying flat. And I woke up and my purse was still in my hand and my whole outfit was still on. You're still on your arm. Yeah. I was like, I fell asleep with my, like, my, like this. It was so funny. That's great. What's your zodiac sign? Um, I'm a Gemini. Oh, right. I remember that. I knew that. What about your husband? Aries. Oh, oh my God. You guys are so compatible. We are. You're the first person who said that. Really? Yeah, you guys are very compatible. Oh, why? Why Why do the two signs work together? Well, it's an air and fire. Gemini and Aries just go together. I love Aries. And Gemini, I don't know that much about Gemini, to be honest, because they're not that compatible with me. So I guess I'm self-absorbed enough to not look into okay. it. So air and fire, I don't think that would be good. No, it that's is like, good. That's what happens when there's like a brush fire in Malibu. There's too much wind going. Then it just destroys a bunch of beautiful homes. No, because my sister and her husband are air and fire. My sister's a Sag and her husband's an Aquarius. So there's a few signs that are air, a few signs that are fire. Yeah. And what are the other signs? Water is like Pisces, right? Water is Pisces, Scorpio, and uh, Cancer, although Scorpio has no business being a water sign. So then is a water and a fire not good together because the water could put out the fire? I don't know if that's like the best expression for that. Uh, it's just not that compatible. For example, one of your least compatible signs is a Scorpio. Oh. So like we're good as friends, but sexually, maybe you and I would not be that compatible and romantically. So don't leave your husband for me tomorrow. It may not work out. My son's a Scorpio and my mom was a Scorpio. Oh, really? So I guess it's fine if it's like in your family, but you're right. Like as a partner, I guess not. So your son being a Scorpio. What, how do you feel about people that have the same birthday that get together and fall in love? Is that really bad? 
That's adorable. That's not bad at all. That's so cute. Oh, the only person, the only people I know that did that had a horrible divorce. Well, your zodiac sign is not going to be the only thing that holds you together. You also want to make it work. You also have to be compatible in yeah. other ways. Like, it's not just like, well, he's a Pisces. I'm like, it's so weird. We didn't work out. Like, it's, yeah. it has to be more than that. But like, okay, for example, your son being a Scorpio, is he like kind of quiet and mysterious? Well, like, what's his personality like? Am I his personality is kind of like mine. He's just very matter of fact and he's got a great disposition. He's, he doesn't like freak out or anything. He's very like even kill and funny and just like he doesn't stress. Yeah. That's like a Scorpio guy. Yeah. It's pretty easy like that. Have you seen this new show on Netflix called The One? Yeah, I already watched it. I literally watch everything on everything because I just keep the TV on while I work. So it's annoying because I don't okay. fully get to enjoy the shows, but I watch all of them. So I've seen the one. Yeah. I just started that. I thought that was a pretty interesting concept that the DNA, that you, our DNA matched with your partner. I thought that was kind of cool. Do you believe that you only have one match in this lifetime or do you believe yeah. you can have more than one? No, I don't think you only have one match. I think that's a dumb way to think. And then what does that mean with your spouse, like unfortunately passes or something, you know, you obviously should have another chance at love. So it could just be a, a different kind of relationship. And it's like, I don't think people should look at like every relationship that doesn't end in marriage as a failure. Like if you have a good relationship and it just didn't end in marriage, but you learned something from it and it like wasn't abusive and you look like this guy treated you great. He just wasn't the person that you just didn't want to marry each other then you should, you know, people should give them, cut themselves more slack when something doesn't work out. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of beautiful things to endings. Like people look at endings as such a bad thing, but you learn from, you grow from that person. You learn a lot from that person. You get to see what you want. You get to see what you don't want. And then you can go to your next partner. One of my exes were together for like on and off for seven years. And I just look at it and I laugh at some of the things that happened between us. And then some of people were like, well, that sucks. You got cheated. I'm like, right. But like, I learned from it. But I'm not going to take that quote unquote cheating, getting cheated on trauma to my next relationship because I know not all men are like that. And I also don't regret right. that relationship because now I can appreciate like a good man because I got to have a shitty one, you know? Right. Good for you. Yeah. Good fucking for me. I agree. <laughs> Hope I find the one. Yeah, we'll see. Is there anything that you felt like I didn't ask you or is there anything you want to add? No, just uh, check out Juicy Scoop. It's every Tuesday and Thursday. Um, check out my dates, which are all at heatherbeekdahl.net. I have lots of dates coming up. I'm going to be Dallas this weekend. And then I'm going to Miami in June. And I've got a bunch of dates in the fall set. My whole fall is set pretty much. Wow. I can't add really many more for this year. So um, I might be coming to your city and you should come. That's exciting. Yeah. Do you have any other major goals that you want to come? I mean, you already have your Netflix special. You have your hot podcast. You're selling out theaters. My and, latest uh, special is actually on Amazon Prime that you can watch right now. You can rent it or buy it. So I've had two specials. No, I really don't have any more goals. I mean, I always wanted, I always wanted Juicy Scoop to be like a real show. Like, I don't even know if I, if I would want it unless I could totally do it myself the way I'd want it. I still would love to act in like a sitcom and be like a mom in a sitcom. If it was really funny, I do love acting. I haven't done it in a while. And like hosting things are fun. I mean, you just would have to fit in, but I, I don't know that I have like a goal goal left. At one point I always imagined having a billboard 
And then when I got to a place where I could have afforded one to promote my stand-up special, I just was like, oh, who cares? You know, I was just kind of like, what am I going to do for a month? Go and like have a Chinese chicken salad and look at it. And then on the last day, be sad when they start to peel it over with something else. Right. Okay. I don't know. But I don't know. Did you? I mean, I've always kind of, I always thought I'd want a billboard, but I don't know that I want, I don't know that I'd want to spend the money like that anymore because it's like $50,000. Whoa. To have a billboard. Yeah. Okay. I did not know that. In the coveted areas like Sunset Boulevard and stuff, not, you know. I'll need it in Pacoima. It'd be someplace I could go and have a salad next to it. Wave at it. Hi, girl. Do you have like one thing that you're ready to start doing again once quarantine is over, aside from going to a club next to a sweaty guy? Like, do you have another goal that you're just trying to do after quarantine? No, because I lived my life safely. I got, I did get shit for having probably more fun than other people. I did not go to weddings. I did not throw any parties. I did walk around outside. I did see other people besides my family. I never hugged anyone. I love the not hugging. I love the not hugging. So just more like restaurants and stuff and just just the, the everything being open again. I would be fun to like go to concerts again and all that basketball games, things like that. It was kind of nice taking a break from it for a year, like all just like, oh, now it's kind of hard to get back into it. Like, I think some people are going to mourn the change of it, things getting back. They're going to be like, remember when there was no pressure to go out? Remember when there was no traffic? Like there will be that, the socializing part of it. I think people will, there'll be some sadness about it ending. Yeah, I think especially for antisocial people, people that are more like homebodies like myself, it's actually really hard for me now to leave my house for anything. Like, I don't like to do it anymore. Not because I'm scared, just because it's just like, oh, like outside. And then I go outside and it's not like there's like so much happening and there's traffic and there's this. I'm like, oh, oh, oh my God, I just want to go back to my little shelter of my house and like just be here alone in peace. And then I don't feel anxious or anything. I mean, I don't think we'll go back to normal, normal for like a couple of years, for sure. Like, I don't see like us going to concerts tomorrow, even if everyone's been vaccinated. Like, I don't think that's like a thing. I think it's going to take a while for sure. This is definitely like change everything. But hopefully a lot of people have grown from quarantine. And at this point, we've adjusted to the new rules. And yeah, so that's that. Anyway, Heather, thank you so much for coming on my show. Everyone check out her tour and check out her podcast, Juicy Scoop, and check out her Instagram at Heather McDonald, right? It's just your name. Yes. And DM her if you have any thoughts. Make sure to follow her. Make sure to subscribe to her podcast. She's amazing. She's hilarious. And thank you so much again for coming on my podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Have a good day.